0: Canaan. It's all about Jesus. It's not about religion. It's about relationships.
1: Where beginners are welcome. Where forgiveness is offered.
0: Where hope is alive. And it's okay to not be okay. Hello, Canaan. Welcome to uh, this week's podcast. I'm here with Pastor Martin Winslow, and we are on Zoom uh, for this recording because of quarantining and COVID and all those fun things. But I wanted just to Talked this week about uh, our new series, The Seventh Birthday, kind of unpacked that a little bit. We talked about the first installment this past Sunday, Sacrifice, but also wanted to talk a little bit more practicals as well as how to t- how to use this book as a family and that sort of thing. So um, let just, let's just kind of give the story of the book, how it came about. So uh, so Martin, Martin came to me, um, I don't know, some time ago. When, when did you come to me about this book idea, Martin?
1: It's probably been close to a year now when we started talking about the, the idea.
0: Yeah, I think it was I think it was last year's Advent season. Sure was. Mm-hmm. So Martin approached me with the idea and this the the basis of this
1: Hebrew word a car. Why don't you
0: unpack that a little bit, Pastor Martin, about the this this word?
1: Sure. So the the word a car, which means barren in the old testament, is um, a really interesting word when you look at it. Carefully, because when we use the word barren in the English language, we say a woman is barren, we mean that she can't have a child and she won't be able to have a child. Um, It's an infertility issue that's not overcomeable. But interestingly enough, every single time the word barren is used, this Hebrew word akar of an Old Testament woman, it means that she can't have a child, but that she will have a child by divine intervention. So there's never a time. In the Old Testament, when the word barren um, that characterizes a woman means that she'll never have a child every time they actually do have children. So a miracle happens when that word is used. So we don't probably even use it properly in the English language because we mean somebody can never have one. Um, But they always seem to in the Old Testament. And of course, like you had mentioned last Sunday, Daniel, um, that word um, characterizes six old covenant women um, and just six and every one of them end up having a child and then we see the last miraculous birth talked about in the bible is an even greater one with the virgin birth so they do seem to kind of be like a seems to be like a merit meta-narrative like a story behind the story of preparing the way for that seventh perfect that god does um through jesus yeah, that's, it's a fascinating
0: insight, you know, and um, so I was really excited about this uh, book idea just to unpack this a little bit. So, so we started looking at the first of these women Sunday. We looked at Sarah and uh, how she was barren and how she, uh, you know, was, was 65 years old when they first showed up on the scene and this whole process began of God revealing his covenant to Abraham and making the covenant with Abraham and the covenant promise Uh, so just, you know, really powerful, impactful story, not only in isolation of itself, but also it's got major ramifications to the rest of history. You know, everything really, even today still goes back to this covenant that God made with Abraham that resulted in Sarah, who was a car giving birth to Isaac, the son of promise. And so, um, so it launched off. So, so we saw a lot of foreshadowings with Isaac, you know, and that's an, another interesting aspect of of these six old covenant births. Not only are the, all these women a car um, barren, but also each one of their children plays a very significant role in carrying out the promises of God, bringing about the fulfillment of God's covenant, and ultimately leading us to pointing towards Christ. So, so Martin, what are some ways that Isaac embodies? Um, some Christ likeness and foreshadows the coming of Messiah?
1: Sure well when he's younger and he has this relationship with his father we're not really told a whole lot about Abraham and Isaac's interaction but when he's a young man um, we're not exactly sure how old he is. Uh, You you talked about the word the Hebrew word that's used to characterize Isaac last week and He seems to be maybe like 10, 12 years old. He's not a baby, but he's not probably an older teenager yet either, kind of maybe in the middle. Um, We're not told a lot about him, but what we do see is that Abraham is called by God in Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Um, He's tested, and he's told to take Isaac to Mount Moriah, and Mount Moriah to offer him as a burnt offering there. And so when you just look at that narrative, that story about this... You know, basically, in a sense, innocent child-like figure being taken, and you know, he's he's got the wood for the offering. You know, the burnt for the burnt offering. It says that Isaac has the wood, and he even asks his dad. You know, he says, "Well, here here's the wood for the offering," but he says, "Where's the lamb?" <laughs> you know, and and Abraham answers, and he says, "God Himself will provide a lamb for the offering." Mm -hmm. And it looks like in that case, in that instance, there's this foreshadowing of this idea of one day that God will himself provide the lamb. And we see that in himself through Jesus. In fact, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 says that he himself, speaking of Jesus, is our Passover lamb. Mm -hmm. And So when you see this narrative story, this testing of Abraham, you know, God says, take your son, your only son. You know, and it reminds you a lot of Jesus being the only begotten son of the Mm -hmm. father um, in the New Testament. And so there's definitely a correlation. The only thing is we know that on the other side of it, when we ask that question, that difficult question of how could a father ever kill his son? We see in the New Testament uh, that the sacrifice ends up being, uh, you know, the blood of our savior, like God, the father, in this great love that he has for his son we see that actually God does follow through with that action. And so it's definitely a foreshadowing of what's going to come in the new covenant in the perfection of Jesus where Isaac was not perfect. We're going to have Jesus who is.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. It's a, it's a powerful historical account, you know, and I I loved how uh, I love the question that uh, we talked about, you know, is, how far are you willing to go for God? You know, and in, in the book, you know, you wrote this section. If you even mentioned, are you even willing to go as far as killing someone, right? That's, that's morbid and sick. And we know that God never intended for Abraham to kill Isaac. He would not allow that to happen. But that is exactly what God does to his own, only begotten son for us. But the, the powerful question, just a personal reflection question, how far are you willing to go for God? You know we do we have a lot of self-imposed limits and barriers and thresholds that you know we're, we're not willing to cross so what could you share a time from your personal experience when um there was a, a seemingly significant barrier or threshold and you you struggled on whether or not you were going to follow God across that barrier but you did and and how has God rewarded that? So if you don't mind sharing just a little personal story about God, allowing God to stretch your limits, so to speak.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, a, a story came into my mind uh, right when you were talking about that um, of whenever I was just out of high school and I had just become a new believer. And I was actually on my way up to a Cardinals game in a vehicle with a bunch of my friends from high school. And these are guys that I'd grown up with my whole life, you know, loved them. We were, you know, good friends. We played sports together. We hung out at each other's houses together since the time we were kids. Stayed all night at each other's houses, you know. And I had just become a born-again believer. And I'm in this car. We're headed to the ball game, And I remember that those guys got some beer out. In the back seat of the car and and actually even some marijuana was in the car okay and so this is going on and I know I'm not gonna partake that's something I was never mixed up in anyway but I just felt so uncomfortable like I'd never felt before but here's the deal I knew that if I asked to get out of the car that that those friendships from the time I was young I was going to have to give those up at the time. Like we were, it was, things were not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though they knew that I disapproved of that, I knew that once I walked away from that, those friendships were gone. And so we get up to the stadium, all this was going on. These guys are drinking and acting a fool. And I'm, I called my mom from the stadium. I couldn't think of anybody else to call. And she came. And she picked me up. Now, here's what's interesting on the back side of that. I my mom picks me up and she says, What happened? I said, Please just don't even ask. Just take me home. I didn't tell her for years what had happened. But my friendship with those guys was basically over. You know, we went off to college, we went our separate ways. But years later, I got a phone call from one of the guys in the vehicle. And he called me to tell me that he had been born again and that he had given his life to the Lord. He ended up being a leader in his church. And he said he remembered that moment when I was not a part of those things and walked away as being pivotal in his life, you know. But at the time when it happened, it was super hard for me because I knew I'd be giving up those friendships.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Martin. You, you recognized a, a boundary, not in the sense of what you were imposing upon yourself, but a boundary of, of, of friends, and a boundary of a lifestyle and you weren't willing to cross that. You were willing to pursue God further. That's, that's a, that's a great story. It's a great story. When I had mine, and I remember this moment very distinctly um, I was still in the army and I knew that God had called me to, to ministry, but in my understanding of things and circumstances, I thought that meant that I was supposed to be an army chaplain. Mm-hmm. Well, I had been in uh, the first cab division in a tanker, um, for several years. And it was that time where I either had to go to another advanced course training to, you know, pursue becoming a company commander and all that, or transition to a different branch. In this case, I was thinking it would be chaplain. Well, the chaplain door did not open, did not open. And so I was kind of, I remember sitting there talking to uh, the full colonel who was talking to me about career path and that sort of thing. And he says, well, Daniel, it doesn't look like the chaplaincy is going to be an option for you because you don't have your seminary degree yet. So um, I can put you in this advanced course and you know you're already making good good scores. You're gonna be promoted to major early, and you're you're looking like you're gonna have a really good military career, which is what I had always wanted. I had always wanted, you know, just to be an army guy. So it's kind of a crossroads. Do I do I follow up seem like a very secure and Successful path, or do I trust this fact that somewhere back there God had called me to ministry? Um, I remember I uh, I kind of struggled with that for just a, a little bit, you know, because um, it was something I had always wanted to do. Yet I knew in my mind and heart that God had called me to vocational ministry, <clears throat> and for whatever reason, what my solution was the chaplaincy, which was the best of both worlds. Um, was not working out so it was just a clear fork in the road and uh, do I take the easy path the path that's safe secure you know illuminated or do I trust his calling of God and just do whatever I had no idea I would be doing right and so was uh, just praying about it you know God just reminded me to trust him and uh, very thankful that I did very thankful that I did but stories don't always end that well, you know. But that was one good one from my past.
1: Amen.
0: But it is. It's a, it's a. It's a. It's a great question. How far are you willing to go for God? Because you know he 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 knows no limits, and there is no limit to what he'll do through someone, one person who's fully committed and surrendered to him. I firmly believe that, and I think we see that throughout Scripture, throughout history. You know, you think of guys that have just done incredible things in history, had great faith. Think of like a Martin Luther or a William Tyndale who, you know, translated the the scriptures into English and ended up being burned at the stake for it. He never recanted. He never backed down. Um, Just powerful what these, what these men and women went through who were willing to go all the way for God.
1: Amen.
0: It's powerful stuff. So it's a it's a convicting question to start off this Advent series is how far are we willing to go for God right now? In the midst of COVID, in the midst of everything, all the craziness going on, how far are we willing to go? So let's just let's just kind of finalize. There's some practical aspects of this uh to this Advent book uh, that we've written. do um, you want to kind of talk about that to families that are gonna start doing this? Maybe they've already started or We'll start. I know there's candles involved and all of that. So you could just kind of walk through Martin, to the practical side of how does a family use this book in their own family worship in Advent season.
1: Sure. Well, depending upon your schedule, like if you're going to do it with your family, um, you know, if you if you're a family that takes a little bit of time in the morning for prayer and maybe some Bible reading, it might just replace that for the Advent season, so you can do it together. Um, like Daniel said, it's an Advent book. So it starts really December 1st, and it's got 25 readings in it. Each Old Testament character or Old Covenant character up through John the Baptist, we just spend three days on, um, kind of parsing out their life and a special aspect or characteristic about them that foreshadows Jesus. And at the end of each of those sections, so every day, there's going to be a few questions that you can interact with. And talk about as a family, and there's a prayer for the day. It also has you, uh, the book tells you when to light candles each day for each Old Testament character, and so you'll light um, one for Isaac, and then you'll light one for Isaac, and when you get to Jacob, you'll light two, so you'll have Isaac and Jacob, and you're going to light those candles each day before you do your reading, all the way up till the time you get to be with Jesus, and so for the last seven days, where we show where the characteristics of the Old Testament character are now fulfilled in Jesus, for seven days you light seven candles uh, to represent the coming of the Messiah in his fullness um, in the person of Christ. And so if you're alone and maybe you're just going to do the study alone, just read those questions at the end of each day. And interact with them and kind of, you know, just between you and the Lord, pray and think about those things and how it can challenge you for your Christian life. And then also one thing I forgot to mention is the last seven days, we've added a song to be sung by families or maybe even by yourself uh, that you can look up. Some of those are Christmas classics, but we tried to go along with the theme of the week or of the day um, so that families could sing a song that they would recognize it really correlating well with the aspect of the characteristic of the person we highlighted that day. So that's kind of how you would use the resource. Um, if you were to use it to its fullest.
0: Outstanding. Well, I uh, appreciate everybody t- tuning in. Uh, one last reminder, um, after the Christmas season, we will be launching a new sermon series on Sunday morning called glad you asked. So we, uh, We want to answer questions that you have uh, about the Bible, about God, about life. So just submit those questions to us at info at CanaanSTL, or you can send them to me or Martin personally if you have our contact info as well. That's fine. Uh, But um, it'll be a a good, fun, applicable, relevant series. So we're looking forward to that. We hope everybody has a
1: great week, and uh, we will talk to you next time on Canaan Podcast.